Okay, let's come to God's word then. Uh, we're going to look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 9. Again, I'm reading from the NIV version, so I don't know what the page is in the, uh, the Bibles there. But Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, and verses 57. Just a few verses to the end of the chapter. Luke's Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, okay? Chapter 9, verse 57 to the end. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his hand. He said to another man, Follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Amen. I'm sure God will bless his precious word to our hearts this morning. Let's just bow and pray. Let's remember these folks who have been bereaved because of these young lives that have been blown apart in Afghanistan. There must be terrible heartbreak in some homes this weekend. We ask, Lord, that you will just come alongside us in these times of need. And as we think of ourselves and the things that we go through, and we need your sustaining grace, we, we need your comfort, we need your help and your power to live the Christian life. We do remember those, Lord, who have been bereaved because of all that's happening in Afghanistan. We pray, Lord, that you'll bring your comfort to them also. And we just ask you, Lord, for these soldiers and all that they're going through in the front line and all that's happening there, that they would have an awareness of who you are, and that they would be right with you, Lord, in the presence of all this danger. Give wisdom, Lord, to those who have the opportunity, Lord, to, to work out the strategy and, and know what to do. And we pray against the enemy, the Taliban, as they plant these terrible bombs that can blow people up and it's getting so hard to detect them. But we ask you, loving God, to be there in the midst of the battle and to be a saviour and Lord to those who are crying out to you. We pray, loving God, that you'll just bless the fellowship. We thank you again for Hannah being with us. We pray again, Lord, that you will have your good hand upon her life. And be with Arlene and Chris and, and Daniel. We thank you for that family unit. But we thank you for each other. And we're conscious, Lord, that we need to be here today. That we need to hear something from you that will build us up spiritually. That will help us to go on from where we are. And we ask you to that end to cleanse us from all sin. That we might be in tune with what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today. Lord, give us a, a ear to hear what you're saying to us. An understanding heart and clean hands as we approach your throne today. That we might be conscious of your ever-present help in time of trouble, in time of need. Lord, just hear the cries of our hearts as we yearn to know you more. Because we pray this in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. He was just a, a young man, very young, and he was trained at one of the most famous universities in America, and that was Yale University, one of the famous ones. 
And also not only was he a bright young person at one of the most famous universities in America, but he was rich. He had been left an inheritance by some uh, wealthy relative. He had all that money could buy. He was, he was really rich. And there was that call that came upon his life, the call of the world to go into worldly cares and pleasures and just spend it all and just do what he wanted to do with all this money. Just a, a young man. But not only was there the call of the world in his life, there was also the call of God in his heart. And one day he gave his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that was such a momentous experience that he actually took that wealth of his and the greater part of it, he gave it away. Because he heard the call of God to go and bring the gospel to other people elsewhere. And he felt the call of God to go to one of the most difficult places in the world. To the Muslim community of the Kansu province of China. To the Muslim community of the Kansu province of China. The most difficult undertaking that anybody could do at that particular time. And then what happened was he had to go first to Egypt to learn two of the most difficult languages in the world. One was Arabic and the other was Chinese. Two of the most difficult languages in the world. And that's what he did. But within seven years, he died. And he never actually made it to China. He was learning these languages in, in Egypt about the Arabic and the Chinese, but he never actually made it. There was a woman called Mrs. Howard Taylor, and she wrote a book about his story. And she said this about this young man called William Borden, B-O-R-D-E-N, William Borden. She wrote this about this young man. She says, no reserve, no retreat, no regrets had any place in William Borden's consecration to God. This man's consecration to God was unconditional. And that's how it is when you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Unconditional surrender is always the nature of Christ's claim upon your life and mine. Unconditional. It's absolute. There's no ifs and buts about it. We're not allowed to dictate the terms. If we come to him, it must be according to his way. It's got to be his way. And this is the idea behind the text here in Luke chapter 9. In verses 61 and 62, you find there in that chapter, this would-be, which is one of the would-be disciples, 61 and 62 says, Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. And here's this particular young man or this would-be disciple saying, I will follow you, Lord. And that is commendable. And it would be commendable if it wasn't for the bit that followed. 
Because there seemed to be some kind of condition that followed. If he just stopped there and said, I want to follow you, Lord, with all of my life, that would have been fine. But he put a condition in there. And these conditions in that little passage always start with but. I will follow you, Lord, but. Then that wee verse that said, Let me first say goodbye to my people at home. And uh, the other for that person in 59, before him, he also has this me first. And in the King James Version, it's a very interesting way of putting it. First, let me go and say farewell to the people at home. And the old King James says, let me first go and say farewell. And that was the problem with these guys. It was me first. It's a me first problem. And we have to recognise that when we come to these scriptures there. And what you have to understand about verse 49, first let me go and bury my father, it gives you the impression that the father has died. And the man wants to go away home and bury his father. That's not what's meant. People said that kind of thing when the father had not died. He was actually saying, well Lord, just let me go home until the old guy kicks the bucket and I've buried him and then I'll come and follow you. That's what they meant. Let me stay at home until father has died and then maybe after that I'll come and follow you. Then we come to this, but here it says, I want to go home and I want to say goodbye to those at home. And, and that seems a reasonable request, doesn't it? You think any person who would going to rise up and follow Jesus would, would be willing to go home and say farewell to the family. And it's a reasonable request, but it's helpful to note here that Jesus was not against what these guys said. He didn't say to this man, I don't want you to go home. If you're going to follow me, just follow me now and forget about going home. Never said that at all. He doesn't say to the other man, I want you to forget about going and, and burying your father. Just come and serve me right now. He doesn't say anything. I don't want you to do that. He doesn't say that. It's very interesting. But what you have to realise is the Lord knows what is in man. That comes through at the end of John's Gospel chapter 2. He knew what was in man and nobody needed to tell him what was in man. Yes. And that's so important in this story about these three would-be disciples. Jesus actually knew how they were thinking, what was going on in their lives. So when the first man came and said, I will follow you Jesus, this is him being open about it. He comes to Jesus and says, I will follow you. And Jesus senses that this man, what he has to say to this man is in verse 58, foxes have holes and the birds of the air of nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to raise his hand. In other words, this is going to be out of your comfort zone. You may not always find rest. And when Jesus hears the words of this other man, there would be a second would be disciple who wanted to go and bury his father. Jesus answered him saying, let the spiritually dead bury the dead. You come off and proclaim the kingdom of God. And when it comes to the third man, the third would be disciple, Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus has a different word for each one of them. A different word for each one of them. 
And that's a relevant word. And could it be by the time that the third man gets home and tells the parents at home, I'm really going to follow Jesus, would he ever make it? Because Jesus by that time has set his face steadfastly towards Jerusalem. As you can imagine, folks, they don't go without Jesus. He's a troublemaker. He's a problem case. Don't go with him. So you can imagine what it would be like to go home and say you're going to follow Jesus. Especially at that particular time. But Jesus doesn't refuse the first man's request to follow him. He doesn't refuse the second and the third man's request. He just lays it on the line. And the words of Mrs. Howard Taylor regarding William Borden. No reserve, no regrets and no retreat. He lays it on the line. And what Jesus is trying to get across here to these would-be disciples is the sense of the urgency regarding his mission. This is urgent stuff. This is urgent. And what he's trying to say here, the urgency regarding the, the proclamation of the kingdom. Look at verse 60 where he says there, You go and proclaim the kingdom, the urgency of proclaiming the kingdom of God. And in verse 62, the urgency of, of serving in the kingdom of God. This is urgent, Jesus is saying. Proclaiming the kingdom and serving in the kingdom of God. This is urgent stuff. You see, this is... Kingdom first, not me first. This is seeking the kingdom of God first. And all the other things that we need will be added to us. So Jesus does not say, don't go and bury your father. He does say, leave that to those who are spiritually dead. You get on the go and proclaim the kingdom. He doesn't say, don't go home and say farewell. He simply says, looking back is no way forward. And fitness for the kingdom means following the king. It's as simple as that. That looking back is no way forward. No reserve, no retreat, no regret. Let me just go through these with you then. This no reserve. Perhaps you've heard of the hymn writer Frances Wrigley Havergal. She wrote, uh, in her, maybe in her diary, she wrote, she said, We are called to be all for Jesus Christians. She said, Everything has to be yielded to Christ. Now it seems that this, even this third would-be disciple, hadn't really got that message through. An all for Jesus follower. Jesus knew that this would-be disciple would be open perhaps to stay at home and, and never venture out for Christ. You know my wife and I, we knew a missionary many, many years ago. Maybe you know yourself, I don't know, Katie McKinnon, who went to Kenya. She's a lovely, lovely girl. She went to the mission field without the blessing of her home and family. There was nobody there from the home at the train. We were at the train station to see her off. Without the blessing of the home and family, she went to Kenya to be a missionary. A remarkable lady indeed. And the Bible never teaches us to disrespect our parents. We are to honour them, but when there comes a divided loyalty between home and Jesus, Jesus told us it's got to be him. It's got to be him. Jesus will not take second place. One of the great writers and preachers of a bygone age was a great man called Dr. Andrew Murray. He was a, a preacher and a, a minister in the Dutch Reformed Church of South Africa. And he used to have an illustration from the Old Testament. An illustration of that full surrender to Jesus Christ. 
And the illustration he used was the story of Joseph. It says in regarding Joseph in Genesis 39 and verse 4, Joseph found favour in his eyes and became his attendant, that's Potiphar, and Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. And Dr. Andrew Murray used to say, well, this picture of Joseph is very like a picture of Jesus. And here is Potiphar saying to Joseph, I trust you so much. I want to put everything in your charge. I give you charge of my household. I give you charge of everything that I own. I really trust you. And Andrew Murray says, isn't it like that with Jesus? And when we find that maybe when things are conflicting with home and family and all kind of thing, Lord, I, I give you the household. I give you everything I own. I can trust you with that. And that was the illustration that Dr. Andrew Murray was... And what, what happened to Potiphar? Look at the great things that came. From the time he put in charge, he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned. The Lord bless the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. And the blessing of the Lord was in everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the home. Friends, when you go all out for Jesus, he'll bless the home and things outside the home. You can trust him with that. When you go all out for Jesus, he'll take care of these things. Only fullness of surrender brings the fullness of blessing in the home and outside it. There's to be no reserve. It's not conditional. It's not following Jesus with reservations. No reserve. Now we come to the second part of this unconditional surrender. Not only is it no reserve, but it's no retreat. There's no going back. And these two would-be disciples wanted to retreat in a sense. No sooner had they announced their intention to be a disciple of Jesus than they had this plea for a postponement. Well, let me go home and bury my father. Let me go home and, and say farewell to the folks at home there. And what Jesus was really saying here to this third man, no man who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. Jesus is saying, there's no turning back here. It has to be forward all the way. Now you may have heard of Pilgrim's Progress. Have you heard of Pilgrim's Progress? <laughs> you may remember as soon as Pilgrim started on his journey, I didn't include everything with the children, but as soon as Pilgrim starts on his journey, he runs towards the shining light on the narrow gate. Remember that part of the story? And what also we find in the story is that his wife and the children are crying out after him, Come back! Come back! How does Bunyan describe Pilgrim at that point in time? He says he puts his finger in his ears and he cries out, Life! Life! Eternal life! And of course the, the mother, the wife and the kids are not too happy with that. And so they send the two characters, remember they're called? Obstinate and pliable are sent after them. And still Pilgrim wouldn't come back. And an obstinate and pliable are pleading with them to come back. What does Christian say? No, not I, Christian insisted, because I have laid my hand to the plough. There's no turning back. What an illustration. There's no retreat here. We're going forward with the Lord Jesus. That is unconditional surrender. It means no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. No retreat. No reserve. 
no retreat, and then finally, no regrets. You see, friends, if there's no turning back, there's no looking back. If there's no turning back, there's no looking back. No regrets. That backward glance over the shoulder is always an uncommitted spirit. We are to forget what is behind us and to reach out what lies ahead, says Paul, to win the prize which is God's call to that life above in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where we have to be heading. And Jesus warns us of this in the words, No one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. And the Greek words for looking back mean continually looking back, continually doing that kind of thing. There's a proverb that would date back to Jesus' time that said this, He who would make straight furrows must not look about him. They tell me it was a, a difficult thing to plough in those days in what was called Palestine. They were very light, the ploughs. And there was one blade, one share as they called it, a ploughshare. And you held on to this thing with one hand, maybe onto the, the oxen with another, maybe another rope or something on the oxen. And these oxen would waddle about the place and you had to hold this plough. And to really plough a straight furrow was, you had to look at something solid at the end of the field. And just hope the whole thing didn't turn over and the contraption all turn over and spoil your straight furrow. There's a story told about a young fella who wanted to learn to plough in a tractor. And the farmer gave him some advice. He said, said, the the only way you can do it is get into the tractor, look at something solid at the other end of the field and just keep that in your eye and you'll be okay. So he left the boy to it and he got in the tractor and driving away. And he was this way and he was that way and he was this way and that way. And the farmer came back to see the mess in his field. He said, I thought I told you to look at something solid at the end of the field. He said, I did, he says, look at that cow at the end of the field. (laughs) And this is the nature of our commitment to Jesus. It's not just turning back. It's no looking back, no regrets. It means moving forward with a single eye on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. That's what it means. Going forward with your single eye on the rock of Jesus Christ. It was D.L. Moody who said that the secret of consecration is concentration. The secret of consecration, that is giving your life to the Holy Spirit to guide you in Jesus. The secret of that consecration is concentration. To be focused on the Lord. No gazing around us. No glancing behind us. That's for the regret. You remember Lot's wife? She stayed where she stood because she looked back to the city that she had left behind. Somebody put it this way, if we stop to admire the view behind, we shall be petrified in a spiritual immobilization. (laughs) That's another way of putting Lot's wife. If we admire the view behind us, we will be petrified in a spiritual immobilization. A backward look could ruin everything. Isn't that true? A backward look could ruin everything. Well, we began with the story of a missionary called William Borden, this young man who never actually made it to China, who died as a young man. Let me conclude with a missionary story. Again, a young man. And this time he trained at Oxford University. A very fine athlete. And he, like William Borden, he was rich. He was so rich he was able to buy a beautiful yacht. And he had travelled 
all over the world. He really knew what it was to travel. But one day he turned his back on the world's pleasures and he followed the Lord Jesus Christ with all of his heart. He became a minister of the Church of England. And more than once he found himself thinking to himself what he had left behind, the yachts and the riches, and then he began to put that to the back of his mind. He began to think, I really think I've got something better. And here's how he puts it in his diary. How I dreaded my ordination. I would willingly draw back when I am tempted to do so. I hear ringing in my ears these words. No man having put his hand to the plough and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And so with no regrets, he went forward with his ordination. After he became a minister of the Church of England for five years, the news came through that two missionaries had been martyred on the shores of Lake Victoria in Africa. And when this man called James Haddington, when he heard the news, he felt the call of God to go and take the place of one of these martyred missionaries. And that's what he did after five years in the CFE ministry. And off he went to Uganda. And sad to say, the same thing happened to him as happened to these two missionaries. He was martyred for his faith. But not before, they tell us in his story, not before he brought tremendous light to what was known as the darkest part of Africa. He brought the light of the gospel and he was so well loved by so many people. But they built, they've actually built a cathedral over the very place where he was beaten to death. James Haddington, the martyred bishop of Uganda, a tremendous man of God. And you see, surrender to Christ for James Haddington meant no looking back, no regrets. And I need to say to you, it takes grace and guts or grit to be a Christian, doesn't it? There are so many temptations to glance over our shoulder and gaze all around us. When the Lord is saying, I want you to focus your single eye on me. Focus on the solid rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I ask you, as I ask myself this afternoon, is this the kind of discipleship Jesus has of us? What's it been like as a disciple of Jesus up until this moment? And what's it going to be like after this moment in time. If he asks for complete surrender, that means no reserve. It means that that is what he will give us. He unreservedly gives up of himself. Jesus will not ask of us what he is not willing to give us himself. If he says it's no reserve, folks, it's because he unreservedly gives his grace and his love and his power to each one of us. If he wants complete surrender that means no retreat and no regrets, it's because he himself set his face steadfastly toward Jerusalem and the cross. And there was no retreat. There was no looking back. There was no turning back. He set himself, his face steadfastly to Jerusalem, to the cross. And I'm so thankful to God. He went all the way to the cross for you and for me. So thankful. What kind of commitment has the Lord had up until this moment? 
And what's it going to be like from now on? Perhaps you've never given your life to Jesus. This is the opportunity to say, Lord Jesus, I want you to come into my heart. I want to be all for Jesus. I want you to show me how to live this Christian life. I sometimes fail, I sometimes let you down, but I want to begin anew and be born again of the Spirit. Perhaps you've been a Christian and you've backslidden, you've fallen away from the faith and now you're ready to fix your gaze on the solid rock of Jesus Christ once again. With no retreat, with no reserve, with no regrets. If you give yourself to Christ, I promise you, He'll give yourself himself to you. If you offer him your all, you receive his all. The immeasurable fullness of Christ. Can you say with this hymn writer, I came, I come Lord Jesus, now I come. As you did call for me and gave your life that I might live. I give myself to thee. With no reserve, with no retreat, with no regret. That's what it means to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow in prayer. Perhaps you've never yet given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you feel this morning the call of the Lord upon your heart. And you're saying to yourself, I really want to follow Jesus. I don't want to be a would-be disciple. I want to be a disciple. Perhaps you want to cry out in your own heart, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Just repeat that after me in your own heart if you want to know Christ. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Saviour and be my Lord. And cleanse me from all my sin. And thank you for going all the way to the cross for me. And I realize, Lord, today that if I give you my all, you'll give me your all. And perhaps you've perhaps fallen away from the faith in recent days. And perhaps you want to pray like this, Lord Jesus, I want to fix my gaze upon you again. I've wandered far away from God. From you, Lord. And now I'm coming home. I want to be a true follower of you, Lord. Please help me. Please forgive my waywardness. And just help me to be focused on you, my Lord, that solid rock. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for your word to us today. And we believe that you want us all to be real disciples, not would-be disciples, not disciples who hear your call and then put a condition on it, but really follow you all the way. We want to give you our lives afresh. And we thank you for reminding us of what it means to be a true disciple of Jesus. Hear the cries of our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.